Last week we did a a quick recap of Shot Show, and obviously if there's a uh, 22 and a half million acres or whatever it is of uh, of Shot Show, we didn't get to it all, and uh, we got a lot of good feedback from the show, and um, so we thought we'd uh, delve more into the Shot Show Part Two. Yeah, I think we could do that. <clears throat> Basically, we're just going to do part one over again. So if you'll just stop this podcast, go back and reload the old one and listen to it. The title of this podcast is Don't Listen to This Podcast. <laughs> well, that's not going to work. Everyone's it never going, works. Everyone would listen to it. Bingo. You're a marketing genius. You should quit your real... Nah, never mind. <laughs> so, the, uh, <laughs> so we talked about a lot of stuff last week. Uh, we didn't get to everything. And uh, what were the highlights of the stuff we didn't talk about last week for you, Ethan? Hmm. I've had to rack my brain now. I know we talked about the Daniel Defense and their sweet colors. Yeah, we talked about the Millspec Mills, Mills, Mills Mills Plus. Plus. Yeah, you try to say it. Millspec Plus? Millspec Plus. Show off. Thank <laughs> <laughs> you. And Martin's on the soundboard once again. That's for you, Street. <laughs> Oh no, he's gonna—he's never gonna listen to this again. <laughs> uh, we talked about bag pulling crabs, right? We talked about uh, man, what 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 did we miss? We talked about HK. Did we talk about my precious Elsa? Yeah, we talked about Elsa. Did we? Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. I, I'll, I'll keep talking about it if we want. No, it's good stuff though. All right. Who was the plate carrier that was with Elsa with the super lightweight? Was it DPX? D- the DKX armor. No, that Elsa was the plate carrier. DKX armor. Was the plates. Was the armor company, yeah. Um, they have a 3A plate. I mean, it's NIJ rated. It's certified that weighs 2.9 pounds. I remember it, it was. Five, each plate has five pounds of positive buoyancy. Yeah, it was, it was, uh, it was so light that it surprised you it it was people were like almost hurting themselves going to pick up these uh these these what looked like heavy ceramic plates so it's kind of like when you go to pick up your drink and you don't realize you've drank all of it and you go to you snap yes. the cup up yes. really yep. fast we Same saw thing. it happen which didn't make any sense to me when the guy told us that that was going to happen because they had a plate floating in the water so it was obviously positively buoyant so you know how much could it weigh i don't know but uh yeah dkx advanced manufacturing uh if you're in the market for some plates i suggest you look at them their price isn't outrageous um so what is it is it a steel is it it a is a composite what it, yeah um, it has to be something obviously other than steel since it oh, yeah. floats these 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 um these plates are, you know, polymer. They're they're uh, compressed Dyneema, which is uh, Kevlar, basically uh, Kevlar cloth, and um, and they'll they'll sandwich in in different layers, a, uh, a a metal titanium, you know, steel depends on the weight. Obviously, this is probably something like titanium, um, but it's a proprietary you know blend, and they use a giant press to squish the living snot out of it in non-technical terms and, and force everything to go together. And so basically, you get a fused, uh, you know, sandwich of all different materials, and it'll stop uh, it'll stop two two three from close range. So if it floats, that means that there has to be air inside of it, right? Well, it just has to be positively buoyant, which means it's less dense than yeah, water. Yeah, its molecular right. density is so less that. Than but water. and that's what's interesting to me is how can something be less dense than water? 
but still stop around. Well, there's still some air in there that uh, that's in between the layers. I mean, and it is, uh, I don't know, an because, inch, you know, an water, inch thick? An inch thick, I want to say? Bullets yeah, still go into water. They penetrate slightly. Slight, slightly thicker than a larger... Than, than an old, like a, like an 0405 sappy plate. But, I mean, still, the weight, you know, you, I'll take that thickness. 1.1 inches. Man, I was close. 1.1 inches, uh, 10 by 12 plates. Uh, they have double curve, uh, shooter's cut, uh, standalone certified for level 3, and uh, it weighs 2.9 pounds. 3A. Okay. I'm, I just, just to highlight it is 3A because 3 and 3A. No, it's level 3. 3A is soft armor. Oh, they said they were 3A rated. They had not. a 3A plate also, ah, but it's okay. not technically 3A rated because there's no specification for hard 3A armor. Yeah. But they do have a pistol. You guys are going to get the Dragon Scale 5, level 5. Or the Dragon wow. Scale canceled because no. <laughs> I thought it was Dragon Skin. It is. First it's Dragon Skin. Oh, yeah, okay. I always do that. But it is scales. So I can see yeah, how it can be confusing. It is, yeah. 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 You do have the right to Do they still term. exist? Were they there? I want to look it up. I don't now. know. It's just funny because Scott, you and I had that discussion about three podcasts ago about Dragon Skin. Did we really? And they do actually claim to have a level five. Oh, they do Remember have a level five. Remember, you said that five. that doesn't exist, and oh. we were talking about it. Yeah, they actually oh. say that they have a level five. That's just so. Stupid. Oh, actually, now that I'm thinking about it, I went to check out DKX on my own the other day, and they have they actually did a video. <clears throat> excuse me. They did a video against. Uh, steel plates. They because I know we've actually had some questions to the podcast regarding the use of steel plates. Oh yes, we correctly. have. Um, what they did was they took and you can check it out. It's DKX armor. Take a take a look at it. But they took a plate and put it in a, a UPS box or a USPS flat rate box, mm-hmm. and uh, then taped a balloon simulating someone's face to the top of it and shot it. Uh, the steel was not pleasant. I'll tell you that much. They shot a standard AR500, a coated AR500 plate and it actually sawed the box completely in half. The spall line mm-hmm. basically matched the curvature of the plate and just sawed the the box in half and popped the balloon. Their plate didn't do anything. It took the hit and this was from 556. Mm-hmm. Took the hit and the balloon stayed intact and you didn't have any spalling whatsoever. So and spalling you is basically when a round hits the steel, it's actually everything fragmenting off. Yes. Yeah, I mean, it's the the it metal has, has to go somewhere. So when some, you yeah. shoot a steel plate and you see that pop that looks like just smoke, there's a lot of metal and debris in that. Yes. That's why standing to the side of a metal plate is never a safe thing. Should never be downrange. Variants. But if you're on the other side of a berm and someone's shooting steel, you have the high chance of catching something from that. Yeah, and, and everybody knows spalling is a problem. Um, the answer to that in the in the industry has been different layers of Kevlar on the front of steel type plates, and that's what we're looking at with the uh, the DKX armor. Is you know there's some metal in there. But it has those those different layers to catch the fragments, and you know it's 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 minimal spalling, if any. Um, so much better idea than a steel plate. Of course, you're so, going to pay for it. So it like the first more. the first armor you were talking about, it's a soft armor. So do you have to worry about a lot of since it's so light? Is the back face deformation, which is where the round actually because the energy is still transferred to your body. I was checking the back face deformation on the, the shot plates they had at Shot Show on display. One of the plates they had, they had shot at close range with like uh, I don't know what was it, twelve. Oh, they hit it. They hit it with bird shot. They hit it with buckshot. Maybe it was the buckshot. Might have been that. I thought I saw bird shot peppering on it as yeah. well. Um, fifty five grain. Yeah. They shot it with nine. Mil. It was one. They just soaked it up with but, with but lead. But from my untrained. Uh, um, 
you know, just an enthusiast eye, the back face deformation of this stuff wasn't bad at all. So no, it wouldn't be, I wouldn't worry about it with this, um, you know, over any other hard armor steel plate. Um, I'd rate this up there. Uh, with with all the other good stuff that I've seen, especially the other lightweight uh, systems that I've seen. Now we don't really have to worry about that with steel plates, right? I mean, backface deformation. Yeah, it, no, no. You no, just have it's to worry just the, the soft the armor, going right? into your face. Is the right, and that's why about. we put the covers over it, like you were talking about with the other one. What was sure. that plate? Who? What company? You just talked about, and you said they shot it, and there was no spalling. Oh, that was DKX. That was okay. DKX's DK- polymer plate. Okay, yeah. but if you, if a company is selling a reputable company that sells you a steel plate, will sell you some sort of cover, maybe a really thin uh, Kevlar cover mm-hmm. to catch the spalling, and uh, and so it's usually heavier than than what we're talking. Yeah, because we here. talked about that spalling before um, a while back about that officer that caught it from his badge. Yeah, when he uh, he was actually assaulting a vehicle and they shot and they hit his badge and it a chunk of it came off and went into yep. his throat. Yep, and uh, he did not survive that uh, that incident and you know and that's what you got to look out for when you're when you're and like I, we said on the podcast, I want to say AR, is AR five hundred better than you know phone books taped to you? Yes, obviously, but is it ideal? No. Um, you probably want to go unless you have a, a cover over it, right? Yeah, unless you, you have some. But at, at that point, you're almost gonna. I would assume that a Kevlar sleeve is gonna put you into a price point where you can almost afford regular plates. Yeah, yeah. right. Anyway. And I definitely agree with that. Yeah, and, and if you want to look at the different price structures of uh, affordable body armor, um, bulletproofme.com. Just Google that. Um, you know, uh, I've heard really good things about that website, and uh, and they have they explain things very simply. They, have, they do their own independent testing of body. Yeah. It's police trade and body armor. Yep. That's com- some of it's brand new. It was and, issued. And they have you know they have good explanations and and good uh, good pricing uh, for the entry level stuff. You know when it comes to body armor, I know at one point um, like second chance. I, I don't. I, I only speak to their old stuff. Used to have a shelf life. Do we still have to worry about I'll that? I'll explain that to you. What that is, is most manufacturers will put a five-year shit. It's not so much a shelf life. It's a liability life where they will – it's a warranty is all it is. It's a five-year warranty on the on the body armor, and that's to departments. So basically every five years, departments will start cycling out the armor for their line officers. And what they'll do is they'll either throw it for training purposes. They'll issue it to the academy guys. They'll the, – uh, the detectives and the narco guys, the undercovers, will put it in their cars, and they'll line their seats with it, stuff like that, because it is not – Nothing is wrong with the armor. Uh, the NIJ, NIJ has tested it as well as Bulletproof Me, and there is minimal, I mean, you know, indiscernible Cause I know uh, degradation in, in performance. At and, one and point, Second about, Chance had an issue with that, though, where things were actually degrading. Well, they were using a, a, a bad armor is what right. happened and, with yeah, it. They that's, were, and that's why they get in trouble. And I think that's where my misunderstanding of it comes from, is that there is yeah, a shelf no, life. At, to modern day, really, it still exists, yeah. but it's, it's a liability thing. It's not a functionality thing. What you'll actually see in armor that's been worn daily is the edges will curl. Okay. And so you'll lose your ballistic, you know, properties because now it's curled instead of flat like it used to be. You'll get you'll get bunching, you'll get separations from armor that's worn every day. But armor that's kept on a shelf in a flat position, armor that's hung up uh, like you would a coat or a shirt, um, that armor does not degrade. I mean, nothing really happens to those fibers. I mean, there hasn't been any long-term testing. I'm not going to tell you 100 years from now that a vest will be just as good from the day it was made to the day you you, you pick it up off the shelf. But 
there hasn't been any like like Ethan was saying, the testing hasn't revealed any problems with armor that's just you know been sitting on the shelf unused, as opposed to you know you definitely want to do your due diligence for armor that's been used and worn, you know, and been in the back of a squad car in Texas, but you know as far as the you know the new stuff, you know new out of date stuff, I wouldn't hesitate to use it personally. Mm-hmm. Speaking of hesitate to use it personally, uh, Bushmaster had some new ACRs out, some DMR versions. Actually, the whole Remington, the whole Remington Freedom Group booth had some very interesting stuff that I probably wouldn't buy for myself. But you know, uh, like what? What do you mean? Barnes Precision has a very Barnes Precision, the guys who make the ammo. Right. Okay. They're, now they're, they just make projectiles. They don't make the actual. No, they make actual ammo. They, they make the yeah, full they on. Do okay. Make, they do make ammo. And Barnes Precision Precision has a handguard that looks really neat that they are putting on some of the Bushmaster rifles. Okay. What does it look like? Explain it to us. Uh, it's not the new hotness key mod, but it it really resembles all the newer handguards where it's got the top rail on it. It's got no side rails, but it's got screw holes to put them in there. It's got no bottom rails, but it's got screw holes to put them in there. It's got the built-in sling swivel studs on the front and the rear. So is this old? I mean, is this something that would even anyone would actually want to buy Well, with all I, the new key mods that's the out key there? Without the key mod, I think some people are going to play catch-up, right? Um, I yeah, think, but, but you can play catch-up, but at what point is it a waste of your money well, to, to buy something like that? Here's the biggest thing, uh, key mod accessories. There's mm-hmm. not a lot of them. There's some of them. There's more coming, obviously. Everybody's on this bandwagon. They're going to come out with the key mod accessories. But so far, we've only seen a handful of products. Yeah, and, and the key mod's not going anywhere. No, no. The key mod is here to stay. Uh, but for now, if you just need something that works today, maybe you need a certain light mount. Maybe you need a certain, you know, I, I don't know. Maybe you're running a, a PEC-15 or something that doesn't have a key mod uh, attachment. So you have to run a a standard Picatinny rail. Well, have we seen any Picatinny rails that mount to the key mod system? No, yes, but they've been polymer, I think, the only ones I saw. I mean, yeah, I think they're polymer. Because that would would still allow you to create all the key mod stuff that you would want. Yes. But just make make a rail that allows you to put anything on it currently. And there is that, but that's not the point of key mod. The point of key mod is lighter weight. weight, right. Exactly. But, but But go ahead and move your company towards that key mod setup instead of rehashing yes. the old stuff that's going away. And, and I think you're 100% correct. I think that all the companies are going to have to jump on this bandwagon to stay relevant. Be the company that releases the high-quality rails but let's, let's for, for a short period of time. I mean, make, make a couple million dollars off of that mm-hmm. and then move on but we've all seen where companies refuse to follow the times companies that come out with products that are good products but they're just rehashes of something you could you could have bought for the last you know x amount of years um are we going to see that with the military contracts will we see more in the industry change for the ar-15 platform as military contracts begin to die off and more r&d is spent what i just saw actually uh to refute your point is that uh, the Army has uh, gone forward on their, I guess they call it a PIR, which is basically a, is uh, a, a, a 
it's an upgrade for the M4 weapon system. And this is they're going forward with picking this upgrade, right? Okay. It's, it's, I can't remember what PR stands for. It's, an, it's another one of those acronyms that nobody knows what it means. Um, <laughs> but uh, the extended length rail systems that we've all been used to in the civilian market forever. Right. Um, the Army is finally going to buy those and perhaps use them actually to issue to everybody. And they've bought a certain number of them from a few certain companies like Knights. Game and of Defense, I'm sure. I can't remember the other names of the companies. I'm sorry. Um, but, yeah, they bought some, and they, they're running them through the ringer, and they're going to pick one. And so it's going to be an actual product that they're going to put on the M4s in the future. Now, you know, with the, the M4 program changing uh, and being canceled and cutbacks, will this actually come to fruition? We don't know. We don't know. They might just cancel it all together. We see them cancel what the carbine. We see them cancel the pistols. We see them cancel, you know, big weapon systems. Um, so, you know, will this mean anything in the future as far as extended rails for M4s for everybody in the Army? Maybe. Maybe not. We don't know. You know, Ethan, with your experience in the Army and your deployments, did you notice that even though you're not supposed to, did you notice people modifying their weapons with civilian oh, yeah. um, items? Yeah, excuse me. Uh, yeah, actually – I'll tell you right now, the Army's been testing the Daniel Defense uh, mid-length cutout, the uh, FSP, FSP yeah. since 2009. Sorry. I know, that's and that's what I thought Scott was talking about. They've it wasn't us. It was, it was some gentlemen that were with us that were – that are their job is to do that. They come out and they're, they're part of the Army, but they're acquisition guys and they test that stuff in the field. So I'm, I'm sure there's a – They've been toying with yeah. the idea for quite a long time. Um, in 2011 – we had guys uh, from the outgoing unit that were with us that actually had Mo handguards on their guns, and they had two o three. Now get this: guys had two o threes on the bottom uh-huh. with Mo handguards crammed on top. It's pretty wild looking. Interesting. That is weird. Yeah. But yes, to answer your question bluntly, yeah, we had all kinds of modifications on our guns. Yeah. Internal okay. and external. Right. Interesting. So yeah. So as far as the big army is concerned, no, there's not. We're not. No Daniel defense rails are being mounted. Uh, not in a uh, general issue. There's still uh, a lot of money in those Ranger contracts. Battalion. Ranger Battalion. The, uh, the Ranger Battalion sure. actually use the Daniel Defense because they use uh, the Mark... I don't think you shoot Mark 18s. Are they like 12.5s? They have a little bit longer, but they're still short guns. Right. But they're using the Riz 2s that extend almost to the muzzle. Oh, they're actually using those as their general yeah, issue. Yeah, that's their ah. issue because they have kind of... Uh, the Sop Mod Block 2 comes with like multiple uppers. Kind of, have you ever seen a SEAL, like a, yes. a Special Warfare Deployment Kit? Because some of them have scars. And then some of them are just shooting M4s that have longer uppers. And I think they might be factory Daniel uppers that just have all that stuff installed on them already. Hmm. Wow, that is interesting. Uh, but, you know, big army. The the big giant block issue no, Knights, stuff. No, Knight still has the yeah, quarter on that. Yeah, okay. Um, which is interesting because if you buy the civilian version, it comes with a Troy rail now. Hmm. I don't know. Anyway. It probably saves you. To be honest, it probably saves you money. Well, no. It costs the same amount of money. <laughs> That's the funny part. They quit shipping the uh, the M4 SOCOM with the Knight's Rail. They started shipping with the Troy Rail. Now – that's a downgrade for most people, and, and your knee-jerk reaction when you hear that is it's a downgrade. But the Troy Rail is a little newer. It's a little more – it's got uh, you know QDs built into it, so it's a little more versatile. So I don't know. I see it as an upgrade, but – you know, that's just my opinion. And there's no telling what they're going to ship with it next month, knowing Colt and all the changes they've been going through. Speaking of Colt, at the SHOT Show, 
Colt had all sorts of new stuff that we haven't seen before. They had the aforementioned uh, we talked about last uh, podcast, Tiger Stripe, right? Yes. They had a Tiger Striped uh, Colt AR-15. I'm sure it was a back from the old Vietnam Tiger yes, Stripe. Yes, the old yeah, Vietnam throwback. Tiger Stripe. Now, was it a digital Tiger Stripe nope. or was it the it was the old the real deal? Old real deal. They had a and Colt is that how it comes that? painted yep. or. Yep, it's like the Muddy Girl version of the Colts. So kind of like, is it just a throwback, or is this something that they're trying to get out there again? I think they're they're marketing this stuff. They're actively marketing this they stuff. They had the, the hunting camos. Was that them or Remington that had the hunting camo stuff as well? Just I hunting. got to look through well, my pictures. I know Ambush, Colt. which is Daniel Defense's civilian, they do a, they do there a camo. That. I think the other ones um, have dabbled in like real tree hardwood, your, your yeah, standard. Yeah, I know that yeah, there, are, there are a bunch out there, but Remington does have the R15s. That that are hydro dipped or whatever. Yeah. Um, but who are you asking about? I thought I saw Colt, and I I could oh, just Colt. be confusing well, it. Yeah, I know that Colt came out and they had a whole bunch of furniture, but I don't know that the whole gun was. Yeah. I saw that. A, I saw a whole lot I might of Colt just be stuff. Getting confused. I I don't remember. Now Colt, what Colt did have? They had the tiger stripe. They had uh, the flat dark earth whole painted, but we've seen all that before. Um, I don't remember them having what what they did have was Colt Defense was the sword 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 S W O R D is the acronym and what this was and I'll get some pictures up here real soon but uh, basically Colt took and they weaponized a drone to work in conjunction it's like tracking point we've we've talked about that here in the podcast it's like tracking point with the addition of a drone right and what they've done is they, they added a drone to the mix with a camera on it that could talk to your smartphone. And this attaches to a rifle? That, that, I'm getting totally lost. It's attached to a rifle. Yeah. It's a, it's a weapon system. So it's a rifle with a scope on it with a smartphone attached to it with laser range finders and, and ranging then solutions. And the drone did a live feed. Yeah, back. you've got yeah. a feed from the yeah. drone. The drone flies up, identifies the target. Uh, this can all be – this is like a squad-level thing. It's not an individual shooter, so it's definitely a military thing. But, so you know, it would be like the you know, you'd have one guy in the squad that would control this and he yeah. would take it. Every No, no, everyone – okay, basically well, the drone it is, would be uh, like a platoon drone. Right. The drone has a feed. Everyone – Ideally, what Colt would want to see is everyone on that team has a feed. Right. They can all see it, and then what they can do is bounce it back to headquarters. Like if they're looking for someone specifically, they can get a face shot of someone and say, yeah, that's our guy. Mm-hmm. They bump that down to everyone. Like he, the, this, the um, example the rep used was like if you had a sniper team laid in, and they had a specific target they were looking for. So they have a boop boop, and they have a little picture. The mug shot comes up. They bump that over to the uh, – the sniper team that's looking for the guy, they can get in the scope, find him. They can, can they can do a you know look over and match right on the spot that it's him, and then the drone gives that like can convert an azimuth and everything and basically give them their firing solution to whatever they're looking at. Right. So right. So let let me kind of recap that. What you have there is you have you have command and control, right? You have target assignment out in the field. You say shoot here. You have uh, target solutions. Aim here. Um, you have the ability, and this is combined with a, uh, a an M4 with a grenade launcher. So it's got the 203 underneath it. The, the, so you, not only do you have shoot here, well, I don't have direct line of sight, but you have shoot here, launch the grenade here to kill this guy. And it's uh, it's it's all integrated. It's uh, it's still prototypes. Uh, we'll get the pictures up. 
But uh, I guess it could use any Android application, any Android-equipped smartphone, and any Android-equipped tablet. I can't speak now. Uh, But, uh, yeah, it's pretty cool. Pretty pretty interesting system. So you have target identification. You have target selection. You have target, you know, um, um, assignment. Assignment. Thank you. Uh, and, And command and control all wrapped up into one drone and you were saying, Scott, you were saying that the Amazon drones are going to be having this? Yes, yes. It's going to be <laughs> on the chemtrails. Yes. No, wait, what? what? No, no, no. Um, well, it turns out uh, I was going over my pictures, and uh, Ethan is correct. Colt has red, white, and blue patriotic painted furniture in one of their models. And then they have the ATAX uh, FG and the ATAX A, is it AU? Yeah, it's AU and FG. Yeah, they have both ATEX, AU, and FG. Um, And another thing that I don't know if we kind of glossed over, but uh, Colt uh, has a three-gun model. It's a 6940 AE3G, right? And this is the extended handguards. This is the, you know, the the 18-inch barrel, the the good trigger. Well, Colt wasn't the only one rolling with these three-gun products, right? We saw them from CMMG, from Stag, from, I don't know who else. Uh, uh, Adams Arms as well with their Adams core. Adams Arms with the core. There was, I think, every, I think that's the new hotness in AR-15s is, besides the Turn, key mod. Turnkey three-gun rifles are kind yeah. of a thing this year. Yeah, instead of and putting together too. something. Yes. I, I haven't seen a yes. handgun yet, but I've seen the shotguns. Well, you've seen like your core, like your MMP core. Well, yeah, uh, they really are coming out with. I think XDM core is the five leader. Five and a quarter XDM, your old MMP four, your MMP Pro. I mean, that was what that. Well, was let's think about for. it. FN has a optic ready gun. Mm-hmm. Uh, Smith and Wesson has an optic ready handgun. Um, who else does this? Does what are the SIGs? I don't know if Sig does. I see. No, I don't you think can mount. I don't think they've made an, an orc. Well, everybody and an and now you have people like Leopold with their their uh, brain fart. What's the red dot? Delta point. Oh, with their delta point, it comes with a mount for almost every handgun you can think of. One yeah. of the models. And we spent, uh, Ethan and I, uh, we're not going to go too far into it, but we spent a little bit of time this weekend, and that's where we were seeing the rifles, you know, almost some cookie-cutter rifles and some mm-hmm. cookie-cutter shotguns. It was the handguns that were really seemed to be unique, uh, where people were really decking those out with the grips that they wanted, the sights that they wanted. But the shotguns, it just seemed to be you get a high-quality shotgun and a magazine extension on it, and that, you run. That shotgun science is kind of being perfected at the factory right. now. For you, you buy it. Maybe a couple of modifications, and that's the it. colors you're not you changing. Want. <laughs> well, the, you know, with a bigger gun like that, you're not changing your grips out as much, and this stuff's not as amplified, so your people don't w- technically worry as much about my grip angle and this. And mm-hmm. some guys do, but for the most part, you're not really going to worry about it. You can put flat modifications that everyone can use, be they right or left-handed, sure. be they anything. It's a little harder to do with a hand. It's a little harder to tackle with a hand. And I think we've seen this everything going this way for actually the past half a year, you know, half six months, with the shotguns coming out, uh, Seekins Precision selling their stuff. I think it's been closer to um, half a year. 
I think you were right the first time. Yeah, half a year, you know, six months, whatever. Six months, six and a half months. Uh, we've noticed that there are a lot of companies that are gearing up and and providing products specifically for the three gunner. I think uh, three gun has become more popular. We see it on more TV channels. Uh, we see it on more YouTube. Um, so three gunners are becoming known, and so people want. I think it's just like uh, NASCAR, right? People want to know what they're driving, what what guns they're using, so they can they can emulate them uh emulate their heroes who are shooting three gun and uh if it makes you a better shooter i'm all for it i like it uh and like you guys said with the shotguns it seems like put an extension on it a magazine extension a long tube on it and that's it i'll give you you, ready to go i'll give you a big three for a shotgun here's one they haven't yet uh loading ports welded lift gates uh enhanced charging handles uh, bolt, uh, you know, whatever you want, not a charge. But handle, some but, uh, of the models that are coming out don't need any of these modifications, or need very, or just need one or two of them, right. as opposed to all of them. That's just, I'm just kind of going over yeah. your basis for sure. things you would look for in a modded shotgun. As a well, is a, a they basically blow out the the loading the loading area, sure, uh, round it all out so that you will chew your fingers up, sure. Um, the enhanced uh, bolt knob, bolt knob. That's what I was thinking. I couldn't think of that. Yeah, the, yeah. You need a big bolt knob to, so it won't tear up your hands yep. when you're running and, through the course. Uh, and an extension, and you know, a good set of fiber optics, maybe up top. Yeah, your, your, whatever your sh- your site of choice is. Mm-hmm. Red dots for the guys running in the open classes or the tactical classes or whatever it's allowed. Some guys like a bead. Yeah, some bead sites, uh, pistol sites mm-hmm. are very popular. Our friends at XS uh, will install one for you if that's what you like. Um, so yeah, I. Th- I think the industry is really excited by th- about three gun, and uh, I think that's a good thing for us. It seems like a gun that's good for three gun is good for just about anything else, right? Three gun really doesn't take a gun and make it only useful for three gun. Unlike you know, it kind of takes the best I can of talk everything. About, I'd like to talk about this because I read a really interesting article. If you don't follow a gentleman called his name is Mike Pannone. Um, he owns a company called CTT Solutions out of Arizona, I believe the Phoenix area. Uh, Mike's retired. Uh, he was Marine Special Operations. Then he was Special Forces and was retired out of Special Forces for an injury. Um, went on, worked with the Air Marshals. Many, like Just a ridiculous resume. He now shoots a lot of competitive handgun uh, because that's how you stay relevant. So when we say three-gun, I don't want people to be dissuaded. There's kind of this you either shoot three-gun or you shoot tactical. And what we're finding is the best instructors and mentors and innovators in the industry do both for a reason. Um, so don't you know? Don't be. I, I I don't want people to get into this camp of well, if it's a three gun gun or it's optimized for three gun, that it's not going to work well as a home defense. Yeah, I was gonna say the red dot on your pistol is seriously gonna be that's perfect for home defense. Exactly. Or how about uh, the simple uh, the AR-15s? The the new hotness in the three gun AR-15s is the new hotness in the tactical AR-15s. It's the the ambidextrous controls for you weird lefties. I don't use them. I know, but. I guess people uh, I, are, there's a call for them. You know what though? You could argue is you could make the argument that having the ambidextrous controls on any fighting gun. We're not just talking rifles or pistols or shotguns for that matter. Um, having the ambidextrous controls would be preferable to not having them. Correct. Okay, because now you can pick it up, and if you've hurt your, you know, strong hand, or you know, some weird situation where you can't mm-hmm. use it, or this, you know, whatever. Um, you can work the gun, manipulate the gun, uh, no matter what's going on. And there are some companies that are doing that, where sure. every lower. I'm looking at the new Colt three gun. Their lower is ambidextrous. Uh, we looked at Remington. Now Remington Defense, which means you and I can't buy it. Their lower is ambidextrous. Um, 
more guns are coming out. More pistols are coming out with ambidextrous controls in their design. I, I think I can see that. Um, I've always I've always kind of wondered why they didn't. But, you know, I, I had my magazine switched, uh, my magazine release button switched, and I, I switched it right back. I, uh, yeah, but, uh, as no, that I agree with. That if, if, if it's switchable, leave it where the righty would leave it. Because chances are, if you have to pick up somebody else's gun, I, it's going to well, be Well, I switched right. it because it was weird. I sh- I've shot so many years but dropping if, the mag. But if I could say you can have the same gun where it doesn't matter which side you button you hit, the mag falls out, yes, you'd I'll say, yes, it. I'll take yeah, that. I'll yeah. take it. And, and obviously and we, that's we preferable. We noticed that with the Smith & Wesson M&P. The the um it comes with if you buy the interchangeable. external interchangeable. Well, it's interchangeable, but it also comes with the um the safety. If you like that 1911 style safety, it's oh, on both yeah, sides. Yeah. It has a slide release on or slide I'll tell you on who both hammered, sides. I'll tell you who hammered that one uh, a year or two or so ago when the FNP, the big 45 tax came out. Uh-huh. And maybe this is what the the FNS. I wasn't familiar with that gun until a little bit more recently. Um, they're fully ambidextrous as is. The magazine release sits in the center, so you can literally activate it from either side. You don't switch it. It's always an ambidextrous mag release. Well, with it being in the... I think Ruger was the first one. Did they do that as big well? Big name I saw with that. It might have been HK. HK might have done it first with their power yeah. release. Uh-huh. But Ruger, the P95-ish, P89, that was one of the first ones you pushed forward on that little tab. Oh, yeah. they had. It have, wasn't yeah. a good one, I've but it was one. ambidextrous. That's right. Yeah. I've got one. You know what's strange about that, though, is that it's so different. You're totally changing the machine. You have a button have and a lever. You have to practice it for sure. That's what I mean. Yeah. It, what, what we're looking at here is what... I think you were talking about was saying, okay, every manu- every AR manufacturer, if they all started doing ambi controls, then yeah, I would be more apt to put ambi controls on mine. But since it's very limited or it's the high-end market, no. I, I have no desire because if Come my on. rifle does go down in a three-gun match and say I need to borrow yours, Scott, I could still run it. And it wouldn't be any different than me reaching up for my Troy lever or right. my Magpul bad lever and going, oh, that doesn't exist in Well, what's, what's good about an ambidextrous lower from the factory as opposed to, you know, building your gun, like you said, around bad levers or, you know, Norgan safeties or, uh, I'm sorry, Norgan mag releases and the like is that you don't have to use it. You don't have to rely on it. It's there if you need it. You don't have to train with it. You know, it's it's just another thing that's on your lower, as opposed to going out and spending the money <laughs> to to adjust your lower to be ambidextrous. And now you you probably feel compelled to use. As it. someone who literally spent extra money to build, uh, this was four years ago before ambi lowers were a thing. Yeah, they're expensive. They were uh, expensive. Back I spent then. all that money because a Norgon ambi catch was ninety dollars. Just that piece. Was ninety dollars, and I ended up not using it. I don't. I don't even use yeah, it anymore. I, <laughs> uh, that's why I was really happy when Troy came out with their their less expensive versions of the the Norgan and the Bad Lever and and fill in the blank. But they, like you said, you know, is it needed? Shouldn't you use the manipulate? Shouldn't you learn to manipulate the gun in its most uh, fashionable configuration? Yeah, probably. I will say I, I, this to to. Man, like mandatory modifications, I, I think you should make to your gun to make it ambidextrous or an ambi safety. I'm a big am- I, th- there's nothing to that really, so it doesn't really throw anything off. So I think throw an ambi safety on there. Also, it doesn't cost a lot to do that, so just do it. And uh, an ambi uh, charging handle. Other than that, I would almost agree with that. But the I, with my big hands, the ambi safety 
safety does get my it way. It gets held well, up. I have to buy the expensive one. The badass, which <laughs> yeah. is, which is by the way, an, an amazing safety. Yeah, if you're going to get a safety, ambidextrous safety, get the badass safety lever. It's it's, it's literally, brilliant. we're not, for being profane, it's literally no, called that's the badass. That's what it's called, that's the, the B-A-D-A-S-S. Right. I, I'm sure it stands for something, but it sounds even cool. Battery, I think it's like battery assist device, something, something. No, that's the bad lever. <laughs> well, that there's that too. The battery assisted is... device is the bad lever. Mm-hmm. All right, you know what? We're gonna go. We're gonna go to the internet. We're just gonna do it. If you Google badass, but the thing is, probably. is that when I when I pick up a uh, AMB AR, yeah. I still run the controls like I always do. Right. And the guy always says, "Oh, you you know you can you can try it this way." And when I try it that way, I'm and I'm like, "Yeah, that's slow. cool. Thanks." Yeah, I'm, I'm like, All right, so cool. slow. But to have it on there, battle arms development is why it's BAD. Ah. And the ASS stands for Ambidextrous Safety Selector. <laughs> there we go. So, so don't get confused with the Magpul bad lever. Yeah, that's my so bad. if you're gonna Google that was it, my bad. <laughs> if you're gonna Google it, Google Battle Arms Development, please. There you go. But uh, yeah, check it out. Uh, it's actually adjustable. The size of the different levers is adjustable. Yeah, it has different pieces. It's selectable. Yes. So if you want to, if you're like me and you got to have a flatter one on the on the right side, then you can do so. And yeah, I definitely recommend that one. But like you said, uh, adding those things doesn't hurt. And I think I think even Martin agrees. Having it on there isn't a bad thing. No, it's not. And if you never use it until you need to use it, well then, hey, you know. I don't think it's a bad thing unless it unless it does change the functionality or the way that you mechanically operate it normally. And your, yeah, sh- and your I, desired I shooting profile. Yeah, and I do yeah, see that. I, I, I have seen Ambi stuff that comes out that changes the way that you you can't hit the paddle, you know, the ping pong mm-hmm. paddle the same way because if you do and you're, uh, you know, you flat hand it, you actually cancel. Nothing actually happens. All right, Scott, I noticed that one of your pictures that came up was a multicam kilt. When are we oh. going to start seeing the cry? Since you said it was everywhere, did you see any cry kilts no that wasn't a cry kilt that oh, was the 511 gosh. tactical kilt right but where's such the cry a big kilts? deal well you think cry is going to come out with kilts? i don't know i mean you say no. it's the new hotness and you said it's everywhere backdrops yeah you know? I, I was checking with cry and they said they're too busy not building kilts to build kilts yeah uh, they're too busy building things for the government but at outrageous prices <laughs> Like the uh, I once cry once they had oh <laughs> wow they had new versions of uh, the uniforms basically the cry uniforms are just outrageously good mm. really you can't spend any more money and get any better uniform than the cry oh yeah you can battle pants can it's you? called Arcteryx oh no you can't I got to go with the cry battle pants stuff thing um, but they have it in their new colors they have new jackets that are made to wear over plate carriers but you can still get to your ammo I mean I think it's called the half jack which is just cool um, they have a, a you just hit. wanted to say half jack yes half yeah. can they have the what? half can half jack <laughs> They have the hit don't, coat. Don't, don't think about that too much. They have the hit coat, which is a body armor. So you have your standard, you know, plate carrier, body armor, vest, doohickey. Yes. And then you have the sleeves with a collar that goes over it and provides additional protection and coverage. And it, it's just cool. Man. I wish we had video right now. <laughs> you literally walked. I'm us gonna through. put up pictures of it. Yeah. They're yeah. already up. Are they? Yeah. <laughs> I don't think they are. Hey, did you eat that sushi? Oh, you did not, did you? Wait, what? You the sushi that, that was in your refrigerator. The Heck yeah, yeah, yeah. Are you kidding me? Yeah. Was, was it, it delicious? It was. It was very good. Is that why you're sick? 
I'm not sick. Yeah, you're yeah. pretty sick. I'm pretty uh, sure raw fish doesn't give you a sniffling nose. Uh, if it has Ooh. the flu on Wait, it, it would. Did you squeeze it to get the fish well out? Was it, uh, I didn't, oh, God, squoosh, squoosh, yeah. Anywho, <laughs> the, uh, so what were the, what was the coolest thing besides, obviously, the uh, dinosaur at Blue Force Gear? What was the coolest little thing you saw or, or something maybe that uh, that jumped out at you, some tiny little thing or something that you knew about but you hadn't seen in person yet? You finally get to put your hands on. I think we talked about enough stuff that no one cares about. <laughs> like, oh, man, you know what? I definitely, my next militia outing, I'm going like, <laughs> to. Like, what? <laughs> so one of the booths that I always like to go by because they have new, exciting stuff that nobody talks about is Hogue. And I went by Hogue, and they indeed had some new stuff. Now, they have a new furniture in new colors. They have, of course, they have all the cool stuff that they normally carry that nobody thinks about from Hogue knives. Hogue has some really decent knives. Uh, they have their AK furniture, which is really nice AK furniture. They have, but they had AR furniture. So they have collapsible stocks and pistol grips and forends and cool colors. Um, Hogue had, uh, speed loader holders. So if you shoot, uh, a revolver in IDPA or PPC, they have like a 10-pack of speed loader holders, which is really cool. They had uh, dummy guns, training guns. Uh, they had the Glock on display. Um, so, yeah, check out the Hogue stuff. Uh, they had some hand stops. or They might have been barricade stops, I'm not sure, for the AR-15. I'm not sure. Um, I, didn't, I didn't see any pictures you posted. Yeah, so Hogue had some interesting things. Now, uh, has Hogue changed their grip? Because I know they they kind of they didn't start off the grips, but I know they came Hogue's out with that rubberized grip for the AR-15. If you look at Hogue, Hogue not only has that rubberized grip, Hogue has a uh, um, linen micarta grip. They have they have aluminum grips. You can get a polished aluminum grip for your AR-15 from Hogue. They have uh, they have exotic okay, so hardwood grips. Let's on that on that quick question. Uh, what is better, the Magpul? kind of rubberized grip or the hogue grip who's 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 refined it to make it that grip to get if you wanted to well, rubberize they're grip? completely different products uh unfortunately they're really not comparable besides they're both grips for an ar the hogue grip is the old school standard angle if you like that i definitely say check out the hogue grip they've been coming on rock rivers for years as standard issue stuff um so it's a really solid grip. Uh, it's really sticky. Uh, it allows you to keep hold of the gun. Uh, the Magpul version is a small. I think you're talking about the Mo K Plus. Mm-hmm. I yeah, think it's Mo, called Mo yeah. Plus. Yeah, yeah, Mo Plus. And it is. It's a different angle going on there. Now it that's is, if you get the K. Is there a K Plus? There's a K Plus, and then there's a Plus. There's a regular Mo Plus. Oh, I thought See, so. I didn't even know this. I, okay. I could be wrong. I was well, not with, a fan of the K. I had a K. I didn't like with the Mo angle, Plus. Like yeah, yeah no. it's a definitely a different angle. That, that's what I was referring to. I didn't realize they had a Mo Plus. I think that they do. I could be totally wrong. Yeah, yeah. You, I think you're right now that you've said it. But the Mo Plus is is very similar to the Hogue. I don't see much difference uh the biggest one is going to be the finger grips and like i said i haven't handled a mo plus yet so 
That'll be interesting. The Mo K Plus is a yeah, completely they, different. Yeah, they do angle. have a Mo Plus. Okay, for sure. Okay. Yeah. And uh, twenty three ninety five. Yeah, I didn't know website. if there was a K Plus. I knew the Plus was. That's been out I for think there's years. a Mo K Plus. Check it. Check that. Okay. Can we check the internet? Yeah, I'll, I'll check that. Well, go ahead and w- with what you're saying. So, anyways, uh, the K, the Mo K, is a completely. It's a tiny, shorter. That's what K for. Grip. It is a different angle. Uh, I know pistol AR pistol people who like it. Uh, because of it's 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 less bulky and it's at a better angle for shooting something like an AK a AK pistol AR pistol, um, but no yeah they're they're definitely different. Uh, you know Magpul of course we just talked about it. They've got you know 15 different grips. You're gonna find something you like from Magpul. Um, the Hogue is kind of a one trick pony uh, unless you're going for the exotic, you know micarta aluminum, you know hardwood. Polished hardwood. Um, so yeah, they're, they're definitely two different uh, two different thought processes to the to the AR pistol grip. I do see that they they have the Mo K grip. Uh, it does kind of look rubberized, but it does, they it's don't not, have a plus. Okay, they it's don't have not, a plus they, uh, unless they don't have unless, it listed because this has been a yeah no, two years or so. Unless they just changed the Mo K period and it's got that plus texturing that rubber texturing as a standard. Yeah, I don't think it has. Really. I yeah, I was trying did. to read on their site. It, they they don't say that. They just say that they've had some aggressive um the new aggressive TSP texture. Oh, they But texture. I I don't know. Okay. Yeah. All right. It's hard to tell if there's yeah. actually any uh like change said, in the materials. They've got a ton of products, so I guess uh I guess you should just go and see what they've got for you. Um Magpul definitely rules the market uh, as far as the the AR-15 is concerned. And now the AK-47, one of the things we saw, uh, there was some AKs tricked out. I think we talked about the Krebs AKs. Yeah, y'all did talk uh, Y'all talked they, about some real high-end AKs. Yeah, really nice AKs. Uh, but I think we kind of glossed over the fact that they're shipping – are supposedly shipping. I haven't seen it for sale yet. The uh, the AK forty seven mag. Okay, I have some Paul. friends that work at a couple of different stores. I uh-huh. just I don't I don't I don't know if they you know they want it coming out yet, but they are shipping. Oh, they are shipping. They are okay. shipping. So they said they were shipping. Uh, you know, we hadn't seen it for sale yet, but they're the people are definitely getting them. Probably pre order types mm-hmm. and uh, very expensive uh, first owner early adopters types. Um, but speaking of uh, AR-15s, one of the first products we took pictures of and saw was the uh, the Mako Group PMC. And what the PMC is is a modular magazine attachment system. And and what, what Mako Group has done is they've come out with their own proprietary 10-round magazine, and they've come out with, for lack of a better term, modular attachments for the bottoms of these magazines to stick them together in so far two configurations. Uh, if this is successful, I see more coming down the road. Um, but basically what they've done is they've made it so you can stick your two 10-round magazines together, uh, bottom to bottom or butt to butt, like we, and that's called the OMC. And then the PMC, you stick five together in a star pattern. And, and you come to uh, our Facebook.com slash gunshow podcast and check out the pictures of this thing. And when you first see this, you think it's kind of gimmicky, kind of, you know, um, I don't know. Uh, uh, hey, that's cool. Yeah, what about it? And then someone says to you, 
This is for places where they can only have 10-round magazines. And the light bulb comes on, and you think, this is genius. This is brilliant. This is this is Mako thumbing their nose at these jurisdictions like uh, uh, California and you know New York and, and the places where you can only have a certain limited capacity of magazines, but you can still have 50 rounds stuck to your gun. Mm-hmm. And I thought uh, when someone pointed that out to me, I'm like, ah, now I understand this product. Now I understand their market, and uh, I think it's genius. And uh, you know, if you're stuck with ten round magazines, why not stick five of them together? And look, based on that picture, it looks kind of like you could use it as a magazine bipod. Yeah, you could definitely use it as a bipod. That's, isn't that Mako's kind of signature thing, making everything a bipod, a vertical grip, yeah. a, a whatever else? <laughs> yeah, until you come up and you've got like a stick sticking out of the magazine yeah. wall. This obviously isn't a, for a the, the wow. The, Wow, thanks for that. The USGI Nothing but negativity coming from you on that. I'm being pragmatic. Listen, no one wants pragmatism. (laughs) They want 50 rounds. Scott, it's pragmatism. You completely said that wrong. You 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 put the emphasis on the wrong syllable. What are you going to do, IG me? Is that what you're going to do? I can't. Exactly. No, you can't. I'm outside your reporting chain. Says you. We're not even in the same branch. It's still IG is IG, man. I'm a cop. I'll fight you. <laughs> oh, oh, that's painful. Oh, that's painful. So that was basically a little uh, bicker banter between the two armed forces guys. So <laughs> one of the things I for, I think we glossed over uh, that just sprung into my head uh, while Ethan was saying whatever it is he was saying. I'm just going to make a comment about Scott being old. The catamount fury. What about him being old? Yeah, yes. What about me being old? Yes. <laughs> that, that, that gets a laugh track? And Street has now quit listening to the entire podcast. <laughs> oh, yeah, has he? See? Told you. So Century uh, claims that there was too much of a pain to get in the Saigas. And uh, Century Arms. Century so Arms. The Century yeah. Arms, the importer, the importer of, the of Sagas, everything, which are the semi-automatic, basically AK-looking shotguns. Yeah, they they were the importer of the shotgun version. Uh, some other guys had the rifles and some other things, but they were one of the biggest importers of. Well, they're one of the biggest importers of everything. So they were the one of the biggest importers of the Sagas, and they told us that it was too much of a pain to get the Sagas in. They were getting. They were no longer importing the Saigas, and they were importing the Chinese version of the same thing. So basically, um, unbeknownst to me, and for sale now, right now, you can go buy one right now. Is the Catamount Fury and the Catamount Fury Two, which are twelve gauge Kalashnikov shotguns, which uh, we've seen before in the versions of the Saiga, and in the, in the one case of the Fury Two, or yeah, the Fury Two, the Molot. Which is a uh, it has a magwell. What are you talking? Are you talking about Sega's or variants of the Sega, or are you talking about similar firearms? No, these are similar. These are made in China. Okay, twelve it's, gauge AKs. Okay, yeah, they're still twelve. But we're not talking AK-47. about the Sega. That's what no, I was. Con- no, that's it's what a competitor. It's a, okay. it's a Century's competitor to the Sega. Yeah, okay. basically, Century said no to the Segas, yes to the Chinese shotguns, uh, the Catamount Furies, and so they're importing them. They're for sale now. Um, it looks like the availability of things like magazines is going to be a little bit easier uh, from the get-go, but we'll see if everybody jumps on the bandwagon and makes aftermarket stuff yeah, for these, like the Saigas. One of the things I never saw really pick up were the AR-looking uh, shotguns. There was one at SHOT Show, and I can't remember the, the booth that had it, but they have a 308 
uh, AR15, right? Your standard, you know, LR308 type platform. And they had a 12 gauge upper for that platform, which was oh. really neat. And we didn't get any pictures of the silly thing. And I so can't remember the name of the silly more. thing. Well, basically, it's a 12 gauge upper for your 308 AR. And that's about it. Uh, so it takes, it uses the magazine well, the 308 AR, uh, single stack. Um, it's 12 gauge. Um, it's an AR-15, so you can get all the cool configurations. So it's kind of genius. You could almost you yeah, you buy know, an upper. If it works, that's a hunter's dream. Yeah. Yes. 308, 12-gauge, same platform. I'm in. I don't know what this thing costs. I can't even remember the name could, of the company. Would, would that be something uh, along the lines that would be nice to – if you if you got a hike in and you want to you know, you take a big game, but there are other things, other um, predators in the area, you could hike in with your shotgun-style barrel. And then once you actually get set up in your position, swap it out, change out your mag, and then load up 308 and have your distance, you know, to take your big game. Yeah, I, I like that idea. It looks like it was Rhino Arms, who, uh, and it was a prototype, which I don't remember that, but there was a lot to remember. Um, so hopefully, maybe we could send an email or two or make a phone call to Rhino Arms, uh, just Google them, and uh, and ask them to make the AR shotgun. Put it out there for us. Because mm-hmm. uh, like you said, if you've already got a 308 AR, swapping out an upper is nothing. And 12 gauge is very versatile. We've, we've talked about it in the past. You know, you got buckshot, birdshot, slugs, sabo. They can do a rifled, you know, barrel and you could use this thing for hunting in places where you can only hunt with shotgun right it's brilliant um i don't know why they wouldn't bring it to market uh cost may be high to start with but you know i i could see this being very competitive with other things in this area speaking of things that are versatile and expensive uh ethan and i spent some time out at the range and we got to shoot the a or the iwi tavor i've heard of that he said it's so weird who says it? You. Uh, IWI Tavor. Tavor. Is it Tavor? How do you Tavor? say it? Tavor. 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 Yeah. Why, so why do you no, say it that there's way? There's no emphasis on the first syllable? Because our brothers from, from the homeland say Tavor. Oh, is that how they say it? Yes. How do you say orange? Can you say that for me? <laughs> I, I don't. Orange. <laughs> and a creek? Crick. Well, no. Crick ro- is actually smaller and than a roof? A creek. I got to blow my nose. Hang yeah. Run it over the place. Dude, that was really, the worst. How do you fail in pulling a tissue out of a box? This is the last one. How'd you get the last? Is this the last one? Uh-oh. Yeah. Yeah. No, somebody posted a video of uh, Ted Cruz on Face the Nation. They split screened it, and here's what they recorded, and here's what they showed. And they basically cut him off before he mentioned Benghazi. Oh yeah, it was yeah, brilliant. Yeah. I'll tell you one thing. I didn't see that was censored. Are we running this? Because I want this. If you want to do something a little, a little. Not volatile per se, but I check this, and you know me—I don't—I don't talk politics. I don't like to talk politics. Yeah, we usually don't talk it too much. However, so. Senator Feinstein is someone we can all rally around to just well hate, and she's got one one farther one that kind of hit me home last night. And I try and just shuck, you know shrug these things off. Now, this is what I found surprising was the L.A. Times covered this. Um, apparently, I believe it was the Senate Judiciary Committee, uh, Senator Feinstein was actually directly quoted yesterday. I think it was yesterday, maybe two days ago, as saying that, quote, all veterans are mentally ill to some degree. And the yeah, that was a couple should, days ago. Was that, do you know what I'm talking about? I, I saw something and briefly All veterans went across the ticker. are mentally ill to some degree, and the government should prevent them from owning weapons. As a veteran, I can agree to half of that. 
Oh, half of it. Yeah. I Some of think... us are completely insane. <laughs> right. I wouldn't say we're any... And you stare at me and slowly break eye contact. I wouldn't I wouldn't say I'm that on. we're any more insane than the public at large. And I wouldn't say that that's all veterans should have the right yeah, to take away from Yeah, and I think that's exactly them. what it is. Yeah. That's a, we are only a microcosm of, of the larger portion of society, and I think that's that just goes to you know show further that she has absolutely no faith in, in us, the, the peasants, if you will. Um, but I just wanted to point that out. So if there's veterans yeah. out there, go ahead. And, and, and that's funny that the L.A. Times, of all publications, threw her under the bus for that one. The well, article they wrote was absolutely scathing. Well, and I spent I spent last weekend with you out shooting, and there were plenty of times I wasn't facing you, and I was never in fear of my life that you might get that me. I had known. Yeah, that I had known. That <laughs> or I wasn't know. close enough because I could yeah. smell the fear. Yeah, well, I could smell it. <laughs> well, we were out there at the range, and we were shooting the IWI Tavor. Stop it. <laughs> and uh, which is a five five six bullpup um, from Israel. Also and, available in nine millimeter. And well, yeah, I, I heard that it's going to be available in nine millimeter. I don't know if that's actually out yet. They had the uh, the kits the the at their booth, and they had said the MSRP was eight ninety nine. So I don't they know are if they're shipping. They are shipping them. Okay. I don't know if they're shipping them as we speak, but I would look for them very soon. Well, on uh, speaking of that, look for um, a, a review, and we actually have some video of us out there shooting it as well. So that'll be great. Yeah. And uh, you're going to have that on the Facebook. It'll go thing? on our YouTube channel, which we're going to be firing up here uh, shortly, too. Can't um, wait to have a YouTube channel. We will be moving uh, to hopefully going out to the range every either every month or every other month. And we're going to be bringing you uh, next month. We're going to be heading out there with some Glocks. So we're going to be shooting. I don't know if you guys heard of them, the 41 and the 42. Um, they're kind of new. They're just the newest, so most familiar. awesome thing ever. I mean, it's no big deal. Yeah, no big deal. We're just going to be shooting. So, uh, we where are we going to get 380 ammo? Uh, I don't know. Oh, okay. We're going to find it. Um, but then we also had it. a... Um, We're going to cut down 9mm. American-made Steyr Aug. Oh. So we'll be uh, reviewing that, and there'll be some pretty pictures oh. and articles that'll go up yes. on our website, uh, com, And make sure you follow us at facebook.com slash gunshowpodcast to find out when those articles go live. Yes, definitely get on our Facebook. Uh, we try to communicate the mostest there. But we do have an RSS feed on our blog. Oh. So you can uh, always sign that up, put that in your reader yeah. um, if, you, if you'd like to. Uh, but Ethan, did you have any first impressions? Since we're only going to talk about the Tavor today, did you have any impressions of the Tavor? Well, actually, it's kind of funny because the first time I shot it was Vegas last week, just first time ever, hand okay. on one, whatever. And I was really impressed, and it was kind of under rushed circumstances. They were kind of the, closing everything down. I thought down. the trigger was heavy, but that's the only negative I had about it. Really it really was. Everything else was nice. It was just a very mm, mechanical trigger. If that, I'm trying mm-hmm. to. Uh, Long and plastic, you could feel that it was a very. Oh, you could feel lots going on. Yeah, yeah, I see what you mean. It, sure. it was a, then, and the one that we shot this past weekend, it was a very toy, heavy, like toyish, yeah. almost is the word I'm looking for. Oh, there. okay. Having having a couple hours, like solid hours, to work that gun out um, on the range, and you know, we could we could run around with it a little bit and really uh, put it through its paces. I wasn't, I, I was impressed. I mean, from especially just from going no bullpup, no bullpup to bullpup. Mm-hmm. Uh, being a Westerner, I don't, you know, you're not, we're not used to bullpups per se. Um, it was comfy. Uh, it was, it was heavy, and I don't mean heavy in a bad way. It's just that it's a smaller package, so the weight is dispersed a little bit differently. Uh, but that actually helps a lot. Uh, the shouldering, because a lot of that business end is in the rear, so mm-hmm. the gun shoulders really well and really fast and really stable, which helps that recoil as well. Recoils very, very minimal. Um, 
and it's very ergonomic. You can tell they, the Israelis really designed that around a human. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the only modification we had on it was a Manicore uh, four-end, which just adds rails to it. it it's, sure. it's, okay. a, it's Really, it's the stock four-end if you make it metal and add rails to it. Ah. So we didn't have put any heavy modifications, but one of the things you did say after firing 10 rounds maybe, you said, oh, hold on a second, and you went and got – a foreign grip. Yeah, I threw my foregrip on it um, just because I shoot. I'm I'm plainly guilty of shooting high thumbs everything. I just mm-hmm. it's what I do. And we'll um, talk about that with the style. Yeah, and this, uh, the there, next there's podcast. a story to that. <laughs> um, but yeah, I threw it on. It's you can't you can't put your thumb on anything on this gun. It's just you know the front end is too tall. Right. So having a, something very tactile to wrap my hand around mm-hmm. on the front of the gun was nice to keep it controlled as opposed to laying kind of resting the gun the gun leans itself to kind of rest it in that traditional flat open palm shooting position which actually i was informed um our friend ben found out the israelis have an entirely separate 6.6 contact point shooting system for actually shooting mm-hmm. the tavor they do wow and they're apparently extremely accurate like off-handed 300 yard shots type of accurate. i've seen people walk through on how to actually Grip the table. Yeah, and I, I'm, I'm going to do some research because I want to. If we go back out, I want to shoot that gun the way the Israelis designed that gun to be shot. Well, and we will. We should have that out there with us again. But one of the things I wanted to ask you um, was, we had the bro optic on top of it. You've shot Trigicons, mm-hmm. so what? Just kind of your first initial. What it, did you think about nice. the bro? I mean, it's a. <laughs> It's a battery-operated ACOG. There's okay. really it wasn't anything. Meh. I mean, it was it wasn't bad. It was just battery-operated ACOG. I think the eye relief on the Trigicon's a little bit more forgiving. Yes, but the I, I really thought the Bro optic was crystal clear and it was a great it was a great optic. Yeah, I mean, if you like batteries as opposed to I'm I like the whole no moving parts, so I tend to lean more. If I'm in looking for that type of optic, I'll probably stick with the Trigicon's only because I like the tritium. And I'm used to working around them, and I know how to, I know the tricks and tips. And but one to, of the nice things about that Bro Optic is that it does have a light sensor on it. So when you go into a room, it automatically dims itself. Yeah, and that's the thing. Is or I, you look at dark. So if somebody's on like a dark, mm-hmm. you know, in a dark area, when you look at it, it will actually dim down for you. And they need to get a better mount. It's got an arc. The, yeah, the, we've talked about that on the podcast. Right, but. Um, no, anyway. I think it's an over. I think it's a well-built optic. Um, I just don't necessarily know if it really is like that much better than an ACOG, if that makes sense. It's not, it's not it the end-all, be-all for you kind of thing. I no, think if I, it was I, a... I'd stick with an ACOG. To be honest, I'd stick with an ACOG. Okay. Yeah, I think if it was at the same price point, which they, it's, they it's are. the same price point, but it's a little more expensive The problem uh, I have on is the it's market. heavy. It's a little heavier. I think if it was less expensive by, uh, say, you know, uh, a percentage or two or five or ten, it would be brilliant. So what you're saying is basically the $90 to $100 cheaper yeah it would be that think, you, you would say that that would be the optic to buy yeah i would say give it a hard look and and you know and, and if you're on a, a money conscious sure budget yeah a yeah, greenback definitely. conscious budget yeah. but i think at the at the price that it sells at and with the mount that it sells at and you know go buy the acog i mean eh, it's easy it's easy to say it's a proven you know right. it's, it's easy for us to go say you know do that it has an infinite number of mounts available I guess the bro does too because it uses ACOG mounts, um, but you know, I, yeah, I'd still, I'd still lean Trigicon. But back to the Tavor, uh, what was the impressions of manipulating the gun? Were you able to get into the the loading, the unloading, the clearing, the whole nine yards? Yes, 
the one thing I found interesting, it's kind of, and again, I kind of not not eating my words, but I'm finding things out that I was kind of using the gun. As Americans, we sure. tend to use the gun, quote unquote, wrong, just sure. in a way that it wasn't designed to be used. Mm-hmm. Um, that bolt really, not the uh, the bolt catch, the yes. whole thing went through about that. And, um, Which is a very well, – to explain it, it's in the back behind the magazine, and it's very large. And so that – so when I say it's very large, we're talking it's two to two and a half inches long, and it protrudes about an inch below the stock. Yes, it's very large and obvious. Yes. Yes. So Which that, makes it nice on the outbound, i.e. as you're closing the bolt. Put a magazine sure. in, and you just tip your wrist. You don't even have to do anything, actually. You just – you insert the magazine, your thumb, the meat of your thumb will, will index that and hit it. The thing is, as Americans, we're used to clearing malfunctions on an AR, lock the bolt, strip it, et cetera, et cetera. The Israelis basically, and I asked because I asked Ben, he was researching it a lot, uh, mainly because he spent time in Israel, and he said uh, they, don't, they don't run it like that. that. They don't clear a malfunction by locking the gun back. Right. They're like, why would you ever do that? And he's like, oh, well, okay, that makes sense. So, because you have to come, I. I'm getting ahead of myself. You have to come off fire control to lock the gun back, which as a Westerner, you're not used to. Not to say it's wrong. It's just different. So it took a lot of getting used to. So their me. process is more just rip the mag out and yes. then start cycling the bolt. Yep. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, interesting. All right. And uh, one of the things that I thought was interesting about it was the fact that with like most bullpups, there's no forward assist on it. So if you do a press check, you tried. I actually did a press check with the Tavor, uh, and tried to thumb the bolt back in place, which it worked for one round, but it did not strip the second round. So I'm wondering if it actually fired slightly out of battery or had a, a little bit of gas blowback. I can show you how to do a universal press check that works on every rifle. Yeah, there's that the, takes a magazine. The training. Right, you pull it back, but like I'm saying, no, if you, no, if you, you don't pull touch, it, you don't touch it. No, you never. Oh, you're, you're talking about the magazine. The you're sure. just talking about pull it the magazine works. out. Yeah, what 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 Ethan's talking about is uh, training systems that have moved beyond the the actual looking in the chamber and feeling and you know identifying and those sorts of things, which still do have a place. Uh, Martin is correct, but the <laughs> <laughs> what is that? Martin like Ethan, just like, sanitized. Oh God, it smells like a hospital. Martin just sanitized Ethan's mic, and I don't know why. Ethan's over don't, here. Don't he's been smelling. You know, I like rubbing mic. the microphone on my my meager face. No, right we here. got that. No, yeah, we're we're all disturbed by it here. By the way, and we're gonna. So throw you that were away. you were saying my Scott, mission here I is I don't done. remember. I'm so thrown <laughs> off. You were by talking that. about how um, the new oh, techniques the, have changed. Yeah, the the training that uh, that they've come up with is is you know you you. When you take a magazine and you are going to stick it in the gun, you look down, you see which side the round is on, you stick it in the gun, you run the bolt, you take the magazine back out, you look down, you make sure the round is on the other side, and now you know for sure there's a round in the chamber. And uh, it's brilliant. It's simple. Um, it's 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 should be the standard of training. It is in a lot of circles and a lot of higher speed circles. So uh, a lot of uh, – but all of the 9-millimeter uh – you know, rifles, they have a magazine, you know, a pistol. Oh, you're talking magazine. single feed, yeah. So what happens when you load up the 9mm Tavor with that and you drop the mag and you realize, oh, it looks exactly the same? Oh, that's right, because I was too busy not shooting that variant. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's that's a very good point. Uh, one, why are you running a pistol caliber rifle? Yeah, if I'm bringing a gun that big... <laughs> 
we're not we're not doing that nine mil. Now for no. training for training purposes, yeah, we all love shooting nine millimeter. Uh, you know, outside of uh, uh, a realistic scenario because it's cheaper. You know, you can shoot it more places. An indoor range comes to mind. Uh, but for the real world, you know, we're not real big fans of pistol pistol caliber carbines. I do think the old Colt nine mils are sexy though. You know what? They just came out with a new one with a lightweight barrel. Yeah, that's nice. Retails about eleven ish. Should Ooh, change. That's not nice. That's no, nice. it's not cheap. Uh, speaking of nine millimeter carbines, uh, Gilboa of Snake fame, and I think we have some pictures up. And if not, I'll get them up. But uh, has the uh, the Gilboa Snake is that two? But they had a nine millimeter uh, AR fifteen that took Glock mags. I like that. I think there should be more. Is there a price point on that? Is there any? No, we have no idea. They don't. They weren't even sure which one they were going to import next. They knew that the the snake, the two barreled thing, uh, AR-15 was going to be their first import. Uh, they they were still talking about whether or not they were going to bring in the AK-47 mag one, which I'd be. You do all for. have those pictures up. Yeah. Okay. Good. Uh, so I got those pictures up. Also next door to them was the Just Right Carbine guys. And uh, speaking of 9mm AR-15s, uh, that's several hundred dollars cheaper than the Colt uh, that we like. Uh, but it has a very similar operating system and uh, very similar capabilities. And it takes Glock mags. And now you can get it. So it takes 1911 mags or Smith & Wesson M&P mags, uh, as well as the aforementioned Glock mags. And uh, there was uh, there was rumor that they were going to have a version that took uh, Colt SMG mags. <laughs> so uh, aren't the Colt SMG mags just modified Uzi mags though? Basically, yeah, yeah. But basically, now what you can go buy new is a Colt SMG mag uh, from the from the big names. Um, so yeah, so uh, take a look at those. Uh, check out our pictures. Uh, I think Just Right Carbine had a takedown model, which is pretty cool. Oh, 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 that ooh, reminds ooh, me. What? Um, what was that? Tapco, I believe we were at. They had the takedown. They had the stocks for yes. takedown 1022. Tapco just has about a, that. Yeah, Tapco has an aftermarket stock. Their T6 stock for the Ruger 1022 takedown version, and uh, it, I think they're the first ones to come out with an aftermarket stock for that. Uh, so if you like the T6 and you have the takedown gun, now you can buy the two uh, for the ultimate in the pocket. Uh, rifle, which I really like. Uh, it's a know. big pocket. Well, I have big pockets, you know. Backpack pocket rifle. Backpack pocket rifle. Well, it's called a pocket rifle online. I don't know. It doesn't really fit in your pocket, though, if you really think I about it. I have some pretty big pockets. Do you have Jinko jeans? No. Yeah, Scott, that's not you big. know you still that's got not... some old Jinko jeans that you I'm used too, to roll too, around Abilene I'm with. too old to I have more Jinko jeans. I never wear Jinko's. <laughs> All right. Well, I think that actually wraps up our SHOT Show coverage of, of the things that were memorable. Um, but if you missed anything or you wanted to go back and look at what we had talked about or you have any questions about what Scott and Ethan took pictures of, go to our Facebook page, uh, facebook.com slash gunshowpodcast, and head over to our blog, uh, com and let us know. Do we and do? you can always email us also at uh, questions at gunshowpodcast.com. Um, actually, I've... What? I was saying we didn't do any any high fives. I have one personal shout out. It's more of a shout out. Um, If you're not familiar with a gentleman by the name of Frank Proctor, he uh, runs a company called The Way of the Gun. Um, Frank is retired to Special Forces. uh, Was an instructor with them. You know, had quite a quite a quite a nice career with the 
Army Special Forces, got out and is a grandmaster. He started shooting IPSC and became a grandmaster in uh, open and I believe a master in limited and was it stock? Whatever, whatever the the bottom pistol class, the uh, non-modified pistol class. Production. Was, production. There we go. I was getting confused. Um, anyway, Frank, I ran into Frank. Uh, he's he's kind of a a study point of mine as I like the way he shoots handgun. He's got a very interesting progressive style for shooting handgun. Um, and I ran into, I had the the privilege of running into him at Shot Show. I run one of his slings, his way of the gun sling on my AR. Um, and I got in touch with him, and he's a really nice down to earth guy. And he said, Hey man, you know, give me your email, and I'll get you my DVD, his performance pistol DVD out. And lo and behold, 9 a.m. the next morning, I have an email from him, uh, you know, thanking me for running into him and stopping him and talking. And the week I got back from shot, I, uh, I reconnected with him, made sure I had his, he had my, my particulars. And I come home one day and I have the DVD, which is a, like a $30 DVD. Perfect. And we'll do my, a review uh, of it. I'll have you, you, you write up a small review. Yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to do some write up as a lefty. There's some, some real interesting points. I mean, Ooh. things I took away from it. Yeah, um, so like Martin's going to watch it. I we watched it at my house. Some stuff that I immediately took away. Um, check him out. It's uh, wayofthegun.us. And his name was, one more time? Frank Proctor. Scott? Oh, uh, bad cushy props to Frank Proctor and uh, Virtual High Fives from the Gun Show podcast. And uh, we wanted to also thank uh, Cameron. He got out oh, there and Cameron, he, he yes. did get in contact with us. He yes, got, he did. Uh, he's going to be getting that boonie cap. And anyone that wanted to write him hate mail or show up at his door, his address is... Th- no, uh, wait, stop. <laughs> no. No? No. Oh. Okay. So uh, speaking of people that listen uh, to our podcast and send us emails, uh, if you'll remember, we got an email from Mike a while back asking us uh, what would be a good gun. Should he buy a used gun? Should he buy a new gun? And we mm-hmm. told him to go buy the PSA that was on sale that yes, week. Yes, we did. We actually told him to run and get it. And he did. All right. He sent us pictures. Oh, uh, let's I'll, check this we'll out. We'll put them up on our podcast. He bought the, uh, the oh, that's, PSA. Oh, that's very nice. Oh, it, with, and it came with the red came dot. came with an aim point. He's uh he's uh he hasn't shot it yet or given us any feedback on shooting it, but he was very thankful and very happy, and uh, so we want to give a shout out to him. Uh, tell him to stay warm because evidently it's cold where he's at, which is weird. Strange know, here in the winter. Um, uh, and give so you- Mike another virtual high five uh, and mad cushy props, and thank you for listening. And thank you even more for taking our advice and let us know how it works out for you. Uh, we can't wait to hear back. But we know you're gonna love it. I mean, yeah, all of our I mean, PSA yeah, stuff that we've on. owned, we we've enjoyed. Um, Daniel did send us an email. Uh, he's kind of talked to us about a few different things. Daniel? Hey, uh, thank you, Daniel. A virtual high five to Daniel. And I had to read his his message to us because he said, um, well, he really enjoyed last week's podcast, but he says he almost wants to get he almost wants to get his own skull painted ghost gun with a broken muffler and howitzer. You know, uh, I've thought about this, and I thought about the uh, the ghost gun thirty run clip three thousand minutes per. Uh, round and i've got one it's in the trunk and we should give it away yeah yeah we should do a giveaway of a ghost we gun. actually i think we have a picture we do we have a picture i'm gonna put of, martin in the corner because i want this picture we need to leak this picture because i want to scare we've got pictures of the we've ghost got pictures gun. of the ghost gun we've got picture of the ghost gun we took them out at the range uh tell you what Just, we will box this and thing the range up. that we were at was etts range and walks oh yeah we got to give a shout out to them yes thank you for reminding if me. you need to go shoot uh check them out get in contact with them uh they've got some great facilities we're amazing really happy with facilities we think everyone should shoot there especially if you're in the area or if you're not fly in 
yeah, find a way. Should, yeah, it's, it's literally worth it. has There's an airport, airport 20 yeah. minutes away. Yeah. You can fly yeah. in. Yeah, extreme. It's uh the the real name. The full name is Extreme Tactics and Training Solutions out in Waxahachie, Texas. Uh, it's run by a guy named Patrick Talbot. Great guy. He is a down to earth guy. Cushy props to, ta- to Patrick. You? Yes. Patrick, <laughs> tactic Patrick. Yeah. Rhymes. And a virtual high five. Um, yeah, if you if you're on that website, that's his phone number. You're gonna call and talk to Pat, and he'll he'll give you the lowdown on on everything going on. A lot of multi lot of multi gun. If you're a multi gunner, that's just a phenomenal phenomenal shooting range. 